Thank you, Mike. You did good, didn't he? Yeah. All right, yeah. Awesome. Cool. All right, we also have a Bible study Wednesday night, too. I invite you to do that if you just want to hang out with us. All right, we're starting a new series. Uh, welcome, if it's your first time. We're glad that you're here today and you're, you're coming in at a great time because we're starting something new and you can just get right on board and you're not going to miss anything. But we're starting a series today on, on wisdom, on seeking wisdom. I kind of have these axioms that I'm going through uh, when, I, when I'm you know, reading the word, like, okay, what, are the, what are some of the most important truth claims that the Bible says? I mean, like, what are these things that, that like, you know, you, know you, can, you can do all this other stuff, but if you don't do this, your life is messed up. Uh, you know, so like one of my key verses, one of my life verses is John 6, and, and when the disciples ask him, okay, what is the work of God? What do we have to do to actually do the work of God? And Jesus says that you have to serve in the audiovisual booth. <laughs> That's in the Bible. You have, to, you have to go feed the homeless. You have to go and um, teach Sunday school. You have to be a disciple or of disciples. He didn't say any of that stuff. He says the actual work of God is to believe. Like, to actually believe the stuff that's in the book is going to be the hardest thing in your Christian walk. And sometimes I, I, when I think about this and when I read the scriptures, when I read the Bible, I'm, am I losing my mind? I actually believe that men walk on water. That's what the book says. Do I, do I, I mean, I, I've seen some pretty amazing things. But there are times that I'm like, okay, do I, am I losing it? This stuff is crazy. And I believe it. I'm like building my entire life around something that, that most people think is a fantasy, is a fairy tale. And so the hardest thing that we have to do is, is to actually believe. So that's one of the things that, that, I've, that I you know, build my spiritual life around is that verse. And then the other one is wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 4, it says, seek wisdom. Now, it's going to cost you everything that you have. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, at any cost, you get wisdom. So that's a pretty big, powerful truth statement, right? You get wisdom. I mean, it's like right up there with love. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is what? Love. love. So love ought to be pretty important in the Christian life. Well, wisdom is, is, is like in that category. Wisdom is so important. We need to pay attention to it. Because he says, no matter what you do in your life, you've got to have wisdom. It's the most precious thing that you have. So what is it? I mean, wisdom, really? It's like this, is it, like, is it information? Is it just getting smarter? Is it just, you know, becoming a better person? What? You know, making sure you don't do stupid things. I mean, I need this, right? I mean, nudge your husband. Stupid things, right? I have done, okay, so there's, okay, we understand like there are, there's things that we do that, that help us in our life, right? Help us to be better people, help us to be smarter people. And then there are things that are just stupid. There are things that are unwise. Uh, have you ever done something that is just unwise, I mean, and even at, you know, it's not actually like it was like a right or wrong thing. It was just an unwise, stupid thing. When we uh, were getting home from our honeymoon, my wife and I were, were coming back from Hawaii, and um, I, I, I didn't want to check the bag. And so I took the, the bag on the plane with me because I thought it was going to fit in the overhead thing, and it didn't fit. 
but I made it fit. That was a very unwise thing to do because we were tired and it was late and, and I, I'm shoving this the suitcase up into the overhead compartment and I'm going to make this thing fit. And my wife the whole time is like, honey, just check the bag, check the bag. I was no, I'm going to make it fit. You will see it's going to fit in there. And sure enough, it, I, got it to, I got it to latch. I got it to fit. And the unfortunate thing is it did not open after the fact. And so it took three hours for the text to come and get our luggage. They had to undo the whole compartment to get it out. It was a very unwise thing to do. And my wife reminded me over and over again how unwise that decision was. So it wasn't necessarily a right or wrong thing. It was just an unwise thing, right? You know that 80% of our decisions aren't necessarily moral decisions? They're not necessarily right or wrong decisions. They're in the gray area, right? We just don't know if it's right or wrong, but we need wisdom to decide. Do you know what I'm saying? Do I eat chocolate ice cream or do I eat strawberry ice cream? I don't know. I need some wisdom, right? So we, we need this, like, especially in the spiritual life because you're gonna be doing things in this life that maybe seem right, but they're not wise. Like how you invest your time. You can, you can invest, all right, I shouldn't say this. You can invest your time in a lot of church activities, but that might not be the wise thing to do, right? You can burn yourself, and I will burn you out, trust me. You want to volunteer? You want to sign up for everything? I will let you. I will burn you out. But that might be unwise, right? Does that make sense? So we need wisdom and how to, how to move forward. Okay, one more story. I've got to tell this one because it was 4th of July yesterday. So as kids, uh, remember when you used to get to buy fireworks and, and light them off in your front yard? And, yeah, well, uh, we, were, we, we lived in Bakersfield. I don't know what my parents are thinking. Are they in the room? No. Okay, I don't know what my parents are thinking. So they would buy us these box of fireworks, and then they would just go in the house and play dominoes. And they would leave eight-year-old boys with, with fireworks. And, and, and Pops had this garage full of tools and pipes and other things. And so we would cram sparklers down these. We would make pipe bombs. I mean, just, and we would scrape off the, the gunpowder off the sparklers. And we would just make bombs. And we would blow things up. Not necessarily the wise thing to do. But that gets boring after a while. And so remember the little flowers that would spin on the ground? So we thought it would be a, a, a great thing. A great idea, right? This would be a great idea. We're going to take these flowers and we're going we're gonna to launch them. We were throwing them and then we were launching them with, with, with slingshots. So we would get these, things, we'd get these things mounted in the slingshot and then one cousin would, would light it and then he would, say, he would wait for the, the, flower th- the little flowers that would that'd spin on the ground. Go, Remember those things? It was amazing. They don't, we can't do that anymore. And so, so we were launching these things with... with, with, with with wrist rockets, and it was really cool. It was absolutely, it was a great decision. It really was, until I launched one up as high as I possibly could, and then it landed in my grandma's cypress tree. You know those big, long, skinny trees that look like candles? It turned into a candle, and this thing landed in there, and it hadn't gone off. I'm like, oh, Jesus, please don't go off. Oh, God, please don't go off. Please don't go off, and it just, it just sat there for, it seemed like ever, and it didn't go off. I'm like, oh, thank you, God. And then, and the thing just goes, 
boof, and then it just, they just lit up. And these cypress trees, you know, they're 25, 30 feet high. And the fire department came, and it was a very unwise thing, and I got a lecture from not only <laughs> my mom and dad, but from the fire chief. It was not a wise decision. And it's just really easy just to make dumb decisions and, and to, to really move forward in life. We just need to minimize dumb decisions, right? All right, so this is what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be, uh, we're, we kind of lined up with Vacation Bible School. Vacation Bible School starts tomorrow, so that's why we have these columns in our church here. So we're not, we're not tur- turning this place into the TBN sanctuary. <laughs> so we've got gold over here. And then we're going to be doing some really cool stuff up on the stage as well for Vacation Bible School. We're going to bring the throne. And we're, do, we're doing Solomon. We're, uh, we're doing uh, the pursuit of happiness for our kids. What an amazing story, right? Because in America, we have this right to be happy, right? That, that, is, our, that is our God-given right as Americans, is to seek happiness. And, and that, that is true. But um, what, we're, what your kids are going to learn from Solomon's life is that the pursuit of happiness will, if it's not done right, will lead to emptiness. Because what does he say in Ecclesiastes? Everything is meaningless. So we, we're going we're gonna to look at the, the aspect of wisdom from a rich person that had everything. And he ended up in, in, in a meaningless life. And then we're going to be looking at people that, that, that sought wisdom that maybe had, didn't have it so easy in life. Like Job. Job had it easy, had everything taken away, and, and now he's struggling and trying to figure things out, but he actually seeks wisdom. And then, of course, uh, Psalms and, you know, and then Proverbs is, is Solomon as well. But we see the development and the character of wisdom. And what I want to... What I'm pitching in church is that there is a wisdom that you can get from Barnes and Noble. There's a wisdom that you can get from the Oprah Book of the Month Club. And then there's, there's godly wisdom. And that's one of the first things that we need to start off on is that there is a difference between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. And when, when the world looks at God and what the world, when the world looks at the wisdom of God, what, what does the Bible say about it? How do they view God's wisdom? They view it as foolishness. So when the world is on the outside and they're looking in and they're looking at your life, uh, they, they ought to think that you guys are crazy because you actually believe this stuff. And that's the way that it should be. And if you feel insecure because the world thinks you're crazy, then just do a little bit of adjustment because that's the way that it ought to be. The early church, they were actually labeled as, what was the, what was the label that they gave them? Um, strange and suspicious. That's what the, that's the, that was the label that the Romans uh, gave the early Christians. All right, so we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs Chapter 3. I should have bookmarked this. I know. Proverbs was um, 
commissioned, possibly written by Solomon, who was David's son. And it's a really beautiful book in that we get glimpses of, actually we get some glimpses of some good parenting here too. Because you actually see David instructing Solomon, his son. It's really, it's an amazing, it's an amazing book. All right, so here we go. We're going to read the whole chapter. Proverbs chapter 3. My son, do not forget my teachings, but keep my commands in your heart. Okay, where do you keep them? In your heart. Do you keep them in your brain? Do you keep them in your emotions? No. You keep the commands in your heart. That's actually the, the secret to the whole thing. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you and bind them around your neck. Write them on a tablet on your, what? On your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and the sight of men. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. There we go. God's wisdom, our wisdom. Our wisdom is our own understanding, which we usually lean on. But lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own wisdom. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with all of your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord, the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son delights in. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, who gains understanding. Okay, pay attention to this. For she, who is she? Wisdom. This is an important point. Because both David and, and Solomon personify wisdom. They gave it the, the female gender for some reason. There's a, there's a connection. Why does he personify it? He doesn't personify knowledge. He doesn't personify understanding. But wisdom he personifies. So we need to pay attention to this. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare to her. Isn't that an interesting thought? Do you, when was the last time you actually desired wisdom more than stuff? You ever think about this? When was the last time you desired wisdom over getting your act together or, you know, getting that sale or, you know, tightening up that relationship? Nothing compares to her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant and her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Okay, if you underline in your Bible, underline this, or write this down in your notes. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. So what's the attitude towards wisdom? Is it something that we learn about? No, it's something you embrace. It's something that you actually go into relationship with. By wisdom, the Lord 
laid the earth's foundation. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. And by his knowledge, the deeps were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. My son, preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do you guys struggle, struggle and sleep? Yeah, seek wisdom. Have no fear of sudden disaster or ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be your confidence, and you will keep uh, keep your foot from being snared. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it, and when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later, and I'll give it to you tomorrow, when you have it with you today. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a violent man or choose any of his ways, for the Lord detests a perverse man, but takes the upright in his confidence. The, Lord, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but, the blessed, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks the proud mockers and gives grace to the humble. The wise inherit honor, but fools hold up to shame. All right. It's a lot there, right? Now, there's a lot of practical things. I don't want to just say, okay, wisdom is all spiritual, and you just need to embrace her, and you need to go into a relationship with her. That is actually the key to it, is getting the wisdom into your, to our hearts. But there's another, there's, a, there's practical stuff here too, right? Like, who do you choose to hang out with? How do you deal with people? Do you deal with them honestly, or do you, do you, uh, do you lie about having something that, that that you don't have or that you do have. So are you trying to pull fast ones on people? You're always trying to get ahead of people. So there is, there is some, there's a morality, there's a, there's a character issue that's attached to wisdom that we definitely need to pay attention to. And wise people, when we do embrace this, this wisdom, there's several points, and, and if, you, if you're paying attention, you might have picked up on them. One is you get health. Like, the wise people that, that embrace wisdom, there is health in their bones. That, that's the first part. I mean, just think about, I mean, just even very practically, think about wise eating. Right? That's a very practical thing. Is it a good idea to smoke a cigar? Maybe. Is it wise? No. Not not bashing cigars, but I mean, they're just as bad as McDonald's french fries, right? They're both cancer sticks, huh? <laughs> Let's just put things in perspective here. So we could do this. We could, we could easily say, I'm going to make unwise choices in the way that I eat. But see, the wise person, there's health to the bones. Now, I've had personal experience with this. Like, if, if you're new, welcome to Granite Creek. We believe in miracles. Amen. We do. All right? We pray for the sick, they get better. And then, and then we're, we're training and we're learning and, and, and we know that we need to pursue these things. We need, to, we need to encounter God and we need to pursue the encounters of God. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But you still got like, day-to-day stuff. There's character issues, right? And so uh, when, we, when we... 
when we have an encounter with God and God heals your physical body, that's an amazing thing. Hmm? Like it's a gift. It ought to change your life. And for most people that it does. Uh, I've been healed several times. Uh, I, I gave testimony about how I had these weird floating bones in my heels that drove me crazy. And so, and then I, I, I prayed for myself over a month's period of time. And they're gone. They went away. I mean, you know, x-rays. They're not there anymore. I don't know what happened. Oh, it was one of those things, right? There was another time where um, I had like really freakishly high triglycerides, like off the charts. I mean, bad. Like, like they, they drew my blood and they're like, uh, we're not getting veins here. And like, well, they had a vein, but my blood was just too thick to, to draw it out. It looked like a milkshake when it came out of my body. And it was scary, right? They're like, we don't know. We can't eat. I'm afraid to let you walk out of the, 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 out of the doctor's office. You're, this is really bad. I'm like, I feel fine. Like, I know you feel fine, but you could die in a couple of days. It was like that kind of thing, right? And like, oh, gosh. I come up here and I get prayer. This was years ago, folks. So the healing didn't start with Randy Clark. We've been seeing healing for a very long time. Uh, and so... I remember specifically, and I don't know who prayed for me, but I remember the sensation of my blood being cleansed. It like it changed. I could feel this 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 thing come over me where it was an experience of God, and my blood, and it just I just instantly almost, but it felt like my blood was being cleansed. Praise Jesus! Praise Hallelujah! Right? <laughs> Guess what I did. I had myself some junk food all week long. Do you see what I'm saying? See, we can have an encounter with God, but we are responsible for stewarding the miracle. And this is what God's after. Last week, Brian Schwartz, who was our, he didn't even talk, he didn't talk, first service he did, second service he didn't. But he's like this NFL star. I don't know if you guys, I mean, you can tell by looking at him. I beat him up in the parking lot, but see, he's a total sissy. And, um, but his message was, okay, Let's go deeper. In the spiritual life, we must go deeper. We're called to it. But going deeper is not going from experience to experience or having an encounter with God to an encounter with God. There is the concept of going from glory to glory, but what is being communicated is, okay, you've had an encounter with God. What does that mean for you on Monday? How does your life change? See, for me, when I was healed, I was a bad steward of my healing because I just went ahead and ate junk food. Do you think God's going to heal me again of that? And he didn't. Guess what happened? My, 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 I tested really well. Like, you know, I was like, oh, you, you don't have high cholesterol or high triglycerides anymore. We don't know what happened. So I had one of those another miracles, but I just continued my lifestyle. I continued with my greasy grace. Oh, God healed my body, he'll do it again. So here I go. I'm going to just continue my crappy eating habits. Because God's just, he'll, if he did it once, he'll do it again. But see, that's not going deeper, folks. It's a lack of character, and it actually takes the grace of God, and uh, I better behave myself. Um, it's disrespectful for the, the grace of God. Do you, do you understand? Do you see where I'm going with this? You disrespect God's grace when you don't steward your miracles. When, God, when you receive salvation grace, when God saves you from sin, death, Hades, 
and you don't change your lifestyle, if God's love does not compel you to change your lifestyle, what, what's going on? You, you, you're choosing not to go deeper. Does that make sense? All right. So God can heal your physical body with, through, through wisdom. Wise people, they have what we just read, they have prolonged life. What was the other, what was the other thing, the other major point? Prosperity, right? Prosperity. Financial prosperity. Wise people get financial prosperity. And, of course, I'm a pastor, so I, this is why I read this verse, because it talked about tithing. You probably spaced out when I read that part. But... Um, no, you, you offer your first fruits. The wise person offers their first fruits. Then God has something to work with. But it just doesn't stop there. Wise people don't go to Vegas. <laughs> they do. Come on, I, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Should, should I apologize? Should I be apologetic about this? But I mean, come on, I, see, I'm a pastor, so I hear these things. I, mean, I get the connection cards where people are cr- crying about their finances. And then I look at Facebook, and I look at where they were the previous week. So I go, oh, is it unwise decisions? Are they, yeah, you can go to Vegas and have a good time. There's nothing wrong with entertainment. But this is an unwise decision. This is like lighting fireworks in your hands and throwing them, Right? <laughs> Something's going to catch on fire sooner or later. I mean, we, we've, we've had people like, you know, because we, we, you know, pastors do this, right? We, we preach these, you know, you know, sow under your first fruits and there's a hundredfold and all these things, right? We do this. And there's always some, oh gosh, I have to behave, don't I? Should I behave? <laughs> there, no. Okay, there's always some clown that, that's going to, and this is, this is confusing because the Bible says, you know, do te- this is the only area that we're allowed to test God in is in the finances, right? That's the only test. God says, okay, you want to have faith? You can test me in this. You give and I will return. That's, that's in the Bible. That's in the book. But, there's a, but it also says that you have to give with a what? A joyful heart. So there's always some angry clown that is going to choose God off and writes an angry check and then... On Monday, he expects the, the, you know, the return. It doesn't work like that, folks. It just doesn't work like that. Oh, see, I knew. You know, I knew. And what, what, what's really going on? And what, what is the attitude of the heart of that? The attitude of the heart is, okay, I'm going to buy God's graces. Hmm? We do this in serving, too, by the way. Oh man, I feel so guilty about last weekend, so I'm going to go to church and serve and I'm going to buy God's graces. That doesn't work either. And what was the other? Okay, so we got your, you got your health, you got your wealth. And did you guys catch the other part? Favor. Favor with whom? With God and with men. And then there was a little, it doesn't, I mean, a little bit of, it is connected, but if you keep on reading, it goes into peace. The person of wisdom has peace. So when you embrace her, um, you you get favor with God and favor with men. And what does that do to your lifestyle? 
What does that do to the, the atmosphere at home, at work, at church? It's peace. And how many people are all stressed out and freaking out and they have no peace in their life? And that's just me, right? That's just me freaking out. But see, the person that embraces wisdom, they get, they get health, they get wealth, and they get peace. Peace framed out in the favor of God and the favor of men. And we actually need to increase in God's favor. And I know I just said a few minutes ago that we do things to try to get God to be happy with us, yes. That you don't want to do, you don't want to do this works mentality, this law-based mentality of faith. How do you get God's favor? All right. This this week, I had another encounter with God. I was up on the mountain, and this lightning bolt, no, had nothing to do, it was not, it was not, it was not, and I've had my moments, I've had my encounters that were like, oh my gosh, that, that freaked me out. I've had those, but this one was the still small voice and make no mistake it was an encounter with God very close to being audible but I wish I could say that it was but it wasn't it was the still small voice of God and you know what Holy Spirit asked me Holy Spirit said Josh what do you want from God just take a moment do you, like if Holy Spirit is asking you that what do you want from God? What do you want from God? What are, you, what are you trying to get out of him? What do you want from God? Just, just think about that for a second. Write it down, maybe. Should I tell you what my answer was? Do you want to know? Yeah? I said, I want God. Like, good answer, boy. <laughs> so, but it's a very simple test, a very simple question. What do you want from God? It's like, ah, I want my child to behave, right? Oh, I want more money. Oh, I want, I want more favor with men. I mean, there's a lot of things that we think that we want. But what we should want is more of God. That's like when I, that's what I'm after. I want more of God in me, in this building, outside this building. That's what I want. And when I pursue more of God like that, guess it, it, it requires faith. It requires believing. It requires wisdom. It requires love. All of these major truth statements in the Bible. It requires all of these things. And guess what that does? That gets God's favor. Right? Faith, hope, love, wisdom, believing, that's what, that's what God enjoys. That's what brings him happiness. The only thing that we can do to actually make God happy with us is faith. Read Hebrews. Okay. So those are the three things. Did you write them down? Like wise people, they're healthy, wealthy. Healthy, wealthy, wise, but specifically... Peace. They have the spirit of peace on them because they've gained God's favor and they're able to, uh, they have man's favor in their lives. Things just go smoother for them. 
Wouldn't it be nice if everything was just a little smoother? How do you get things to go a little smoother in your life? It's wisdom. You will have to embrace her. All right. Remember I said that you need to underline the tree of life. She is a tree of life. Wisdom is the tree of life. Fascinating. You know that, that this is only one of the few times in scriptures that the tree of life is ever mentioned? It's a few times in Proverbs where wisdom is referred to as the tree of life. First time, Genesis 2. God creates this garden for humanity, not just Adam and Eve, but for all humanity. And in the garden, it should be a forest. I think it's a mistranslation because it's all trees. So the garden is all trees that, that are bearing incredible fruit. And, of course, what, there's two trees that, that are pointed out and very specific. What's the first one? Tree of knowledge of, of good and evil, and the other one is the tree of life. So God tells Adam, don't eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right? Don't do that. Here's another thing I just discovered, or I don't know, just made, I just kind of highlighted for some reason. Uh, I, I don't know. In the narrative, Eve hadn't been created yet. So she hadn't been pulled out of the side yet. So God told Adam, before Eve was created, don't eat that tree. So Adam was supposed to communicate that to his wife. It doesn't say that he did or didn't. But it's guys that we're talking about. There's communication issues, right? I'm forcing the text, folks. I'm sorry. I can't help myself. Don't just forget I said that. He says, don't eat that tree. But he didn't say anything about the tree of life. Why? And then it disappears. Why is it even in the book, this tree of life? I mean, everything's in the book for some reason or another. I can't quite figure out, you know, numbers yet. But um, everything is in the book for a reason. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, uh, correcting, and rebuking, and, and righteousness, encouraging. Yep. So it's in there. That's the first time it's mentioned. And then, like, there's a few other times in Proverbs where it talks about the tree of life. Does anybody want to take a stab where it's mentioned next? Revelation. Revelation 22. The last chapter in the book. So we have the very first mention of the tree of life in the second chapter of Genesis. This is the very beginning of the creation story. And then we have, in its bookend, at the very end, the last chapter of Revelation, you want to read it real quick? All right, just, just so you can read it, so you know. Mm-mm. Revelation twenty-two, twelve. Behold, I am coming soon. This is, this is in red. You know what it means when it's in red? That means Jesus is talking. Let's pay attention. Behold, I am coming soon. My, my reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Do you know what that, I believe that that's referring to? Blessed are those who pull their weeds, who take care of their junk on a daily basis. That they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. 
Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, sexual immorality, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root, the offspring of David, and the bright morning star. What's going on here? We have a tree of life in the beginning and a tree of life at the end. I think we should pay attention to it. And Proverbs, as we just read, says wisdom is the tree of life. Wisdom comes from this tree of life. Something thing that we need to know about wisdom. It is not... Wisdom is a tree. Wisdom is a woman. I know. What am I going to do? It's in the book, right? Wisdom is a woman... Uh, if you continue in your study with Proverbs, you'll also know that evil is also manifested as a woman. So Solomon has to choose between two women, a really nice woman called wisdom and a really bad, adulterous woman, right? So that's the contrast that's going on in the narrative. It's fascinating. But as we just read in chapter 3, it says that wisdom is a path. Wisdom is a way. Unfortunately, it doesn't say that wisdom is a door. Hmm? It never says wisdom is an encounter or wisdom is a burning bush or, you know. Wisdom is a path. And what do we know about paths? They're long. Every day. We need to continue to seek wisdom. Like, it's in the little things, folks. What's the famous proverb? The devil is in the details. Every little aspect of our life, we need wisdom in it. And it could be a personality thing, right? You need to embrace wisdom, like, let's say you're greedy, into that greedy nature of who you are. You need to embrace wisdom into that short temper that, that wrecks your life every once in a while. In your impulses. Like, it's got to change. And see, here's the good news. You've got the tree of life in Genesis. You've got the tree of life in Revelation. You see David and Solomon picking up on something that is actually a New Testament revelation. Because... Not only is the cross of Jesus, not only is it a, is it a symbol of, of torture and death, it's also the tree of life. In Galatians 3.13, I don't have time to go there, but in Galatians 3.13, Paul says, Cursed is a man who hangs on a tree, yet Jesus overcame the law and became what? A curse for us. He became the curse for us, and he hung on the tree. And that cross, that you, okay, yeah, you can think of it as an execution instrument, but it's also the tree of life, folks. It really is. And I'm not just making this up. Scholars have been looking at the connection between the tree of life and the cross for over a thousand plus years. This is what separates spiritual wisdom from the Oprah Book of the Week Club wisdom. You see, 
you got to do these little things to, to become wise, but you need to understand that the wisdom flows from the tree of life. It flows from the cross, and it is his wisdom that we need to tap into, not yours, not any other philosopher, not anybody else that says that I can point to the way. Jesus is the way. The cross of Jesus Christ is that tree of life. And we have to embrace her. We have to embrace her. We've got to have the band and the ushers come to the front. I think I got all my points in. I know. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, your word says that wisdom is supreme. Therefore, at any cost, no matter what it costs you, you have to get her. And God, right now, I just pray that, that we will embrace wisdom, not, not leaning on our own understanding or not leaning on another understanding or a wise way. And God, even forgive us for leaning on the Bible as a moral rule book and not a relationship with Jesus. So Father, right now, I just pray that you will just break off any attitudes of law that might be in us and that we will see that our Savior took on the curse of the law so that we could be free. So God, may we embrace your grace and may we also respect your grace and may we be good stewards of the miracles and the breakthroughs that you've given us in our lives. God, we pray for more encounters, but God, we also pray for wisdom in the times in between that we may grow, that we may be mature, that we may persevere so that we can be a light in a dark community. God, right now, I just pray that you just bless this offering in your son's name. God, bless this offering in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.